Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we were joined by Luke Sutton, uh, former Derbyshire and Lancashire wicketkeeper batsman who had a, a story to tell. I mean, it's a quite incredible story of uh, his issues with alcohol that, uh, you know, it really, not, it was an incredible tale, wasn't it? Really just yeah, changed very to honest. So you'll hear from Luke. We uh, we also had a conversation about various things. Um, and um, we, yeah, we said how Andy could have appeared in one of America's greatest ever sitcoms had he met the right people at the right time. We'll bring you news of that. And we had the clips of the month as well, didn't we? Uh, and uh, you'll get that and indeed the result. So here it all is. <laughs> Rennie Higuita, the former Colombian keeper. Not the plumber. Not the plumber. <laughs> well, not everybody would know who he was. If yeah. I just said Rennie Higuita. No, I know that. But, yeah. you know, not not the plumber. Well, I did have a plumber, plumber called Rem, Rennie Higuita. Did you really? No. You, your one was called Remy Higuita, <laughs> by was, the sound yeah. of it. It was slightly different. He said he took recreational drugs as a hobby. It's not really a hobby, is it? It's like, like stamp collecting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, beer mats or needlepoint. Yeah. You got any hobbies? <laughs> well, I'll do a bit of coke. Yeah. That's not a hobby, is it, mate? <laughs> not a hobby. I have said it was a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Congratulations are in order to the fabulous PR department of the Sprout Marketing Board. Oh, yeah. They've pulled it off again. Buy now while stocks last because uh, Brussels Sprouts fans, according to the Daily Star. Brussels Sprouts fans. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they haven't got a lot of fans, have they? Is that all you bring... <laughs> <laughs> to, to lunch, yeah, is that, yeah. <laughs> the, um, their fans are facing their fans are facing a shortage after what farmers are calling the worst autumn in living memory, which I'm sure is true. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's just, they do the same thing every year, so you know uh, apparently there will be enough to go around. I'm of course, sure. there will. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, Andy. Yeah, good. Is that it? No, that's not <laughs> slightly <laughs> worrying. No, that's not yeah. it. Sorry, I thought just you dried. What did you in order there? In, in light of the fact <laughs> there was no live football last night, and yeah. you denied your Monday night football. Well, Although I you did, say you did, you watch you watched well, uh, Albion game. I watched the last fifteen minutes of Preston versus West Brom. And I'm very glad I didn't see the first 75 minutes. Although there was a controversial moment in the 88th minute when Albion were awarded a penalty for absolutely nothing. I mean, honestly, these referees really? have to be conned by that. Mm. And Alan this morning was very amusing, uh, blaming VAR when, of course, they don't actually have VAR in the Championship. But there we go, that's the way it is. <laughs> and, uh, it's all down to VAR. But they're doing all right, Albion, aren't they? They're five they are five. doing very well, And yeah. the, the uh, cup draw was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, just not what either needed, Everton uh, or Liverpool or Wolves no. 
situation. Yeah. You don't really want... We drew from the Forest. We, we played them a lot in the Cup. It's funny how that keeps happening. Man City got Port Vale again. Port Vale, Man City. I always think Jose's idea about the third round of the FA Cup was spot on. And they, they've gerrymandered it enough already. I don't know why they just don't do this, which is the big club should play away. That's it. Every so, time, yeah? Well, I think Port, Port Vale, Man City is a lot better game than Man City, Port Vale, isn't it? And Boston... But if you were Eastley and you'd got... Manchester United or mm. Manchester City, Eastleigh or Crew in this case, but let's yeah, say Eastleigh did go that's through. That's the other argument: is it's the gate and then money the share all. of the gate money at Old get, Trafford. But you get the TV money anyway. You get yeah, the, the TV money at that stage is all right, oh, but it's, it's not good. the sort of money you'd get as part of the. I mean, you know, I think maybe a, mm. a, a bigger share, a kind of incremental share mm. of the gate receipts. Uh, moving down, so the Championship club would get that little bit more than would normally get, and then as you go into League One, League Two, and then non-League, they get more of the gate receipts from the big. I just think. Attendance. I just think you know it's all about the money. I mean, you know, Boston versus Newcastle, for example, has got a giant killing potential. It's unlikely. Yeah. It's got that chance. Well, it, well, especially they got to beat Rochdale first. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> he's just pinned that on the dressing room wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was to happen. Yeah. Andy Jacobs says, we're not even in the game, lads. <laughs> yeah. He's already said Boston are playing Newcastle. That, I only read that Boston win. Yeah. I didn't realise it was I mean, uh, I mean, I suppose if, um, again, you're right. That, that Boston versus Newcastle feels like a different game. Newcastle-Boston would have felt uh, pretty straightforward, even if he'd made yeah, a few no, changes. Apologies to my friends in Rochdale. We've got um, we've got Borough away, and you do wonder whether with uh, um, Woody mm. will still be there mm. with his Spurs connections, of course, mm, no, or, whether, or whether or whether it could be Neil Warnock in by uh, by the start yeah, of Jan. So be we'll see. Yeah, could could be Arsenal good. Leeds. That was a tasty one, wasn't it? That'll be. I mean, you, immediately you listen to it and you think, oh, what's yeah. going to be the telly games? Well, and you feel Arsenal Leeds will be a telly game. Uh, it turns out their manager is. Um, yes, and a bloke. Of course, a good story in the Sun today. A bloke caught a massive sea bass in a river. Oh, wow. They're not normally, obviously, they're sea, they're clues in the well, name. Clues in the name, sea bass, yeah. Uh, but surely he couldn't throw it back. So the dilemma for him was, shall I drive it to the coast in a tank of salt water? Or shall I take it home and cook it? <laughs> I'd go cook it. What did he do? I don't know, he didn't You say. don't know? Well, should we ask him? So we can find out. Oh, yeah. I wonder if Nigel Botherway can tell us what he would have done if he. Well, Nigel catch... wouldn't have eaten it because he's a vegetarian. Yeah, and I'm not saying Nigel would have eaten it. I'm saying, but what? I'm not saying what Nigel would have done, but what would happen in that situation? You find a sea bass in a river. Are, are you effectively killing it by throwing it back because it's not as natural? Oh, yeah, of Should you, you basically yeah. put it in the back of the car in a child seat and take it down <laughs> the uh, sea and then release it? <laughs> That's what I do. Where are you going to get a tank of salt water from? You haven't thought this through. I mean, <laughs> if it's a tank of seawater, you're going to have to go to the sea again it first so you're going to have to say to the fish just hang about there in the keep net uh, or you're just going to have to put salt like a bit of um, bit of saxo in the water and you kill yeah. the fish anyway because you're putting, it? it's not the same oh, yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's not gargling with a sore throat it lives in it you can't just lob <laughs> salt in water yeah, it's, and it's a fish. Problem. it was a dilemma for Terry complex. Findlay 62 yeah. who was fishing for pike on the River Avon when he landed the 14 pound bass it's amazing ok well look we'll try and find out Nigel but we'll put a call in to Nigel what would he have done we'll find mm. out and we'll get, get a bit of info on that for Thanks very uh, much. You, have you checked out? I wanted to make sure my Amazon Prime was working. And all yes. I can do at the moment is they've got um, kind of the previews of the games. So mm. I went there, Danny Higginbottom, Ennio Luco and Karen Carney and others uh, in, a, in a kind of... In, in an aircraft hangar talking about the matches and mm. showing clips so it's I know, BT's, I know it's uh, working studios. oh yeah, yeah 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 I know it's working so yes yeah, so I tested mine the other night so yes it's working I'm ready to rock I'm ready and to go I like the staggering of the kickoff times I think yeah. that's rather clever because 7.15 you can start <clears throat> sorry 7.30 it starts the yeah. first game Crystal Palace Burnley mm. 
8.15, half-time, the other game kicks off. Man City, you watch 15 yeah. minutes of that. Mm. Then you can watch the last... Then you watch 45 minutes of the other one and then probably last Palace half Bournemouth and, yeah. and Matt and City Burnley. Yeah, it? so you can probably watch yeah. both and uh, take in both in the end. And that's good. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it is a good, a good little system. Let's, uh, let's hope the technology mm. stands up. Everybody says it will. They had a few problems with the tennis, as you yeah. were telling me. But I think, well, I think they've moved with, on the tennis. No then. disrespect to Palace or Bournemouth, but by starting with that game, Gives you a chance. Whereas if they'd started with, say, Liverpool, Everton, no, so, no disrespect to either Palace or Bournemouth, no, but by starting with a rubbish match no, that doesn't matter, what's going to get a higher audience figure? <laughs> Liverpool against Everton, yeah, or Palace, Bournemouth. No, I, I know, but I just uh, the way you said no disrespect well, it when no it was disrespect. just a massive, massive amount of disrespect. By Sockley Park, Sockley so Park. <laughs> Don't diss the Well, Sockley Park we watching, you think? He's got... He you looks like I mean? a kind of red eel. He's a weird-looking thing. Yeah, you've, like you've got it into your head that this is... That this is going to be a passport of... This is going to be the new Kermit the Frog. It's going to be football's answer to Kermit the Frog, haven't you? Be. And let's be honest. I mean, I'd say this about all the show, but it's not great radio, is it? No. Especially a man kind of using well, a... I'm hoping the video clips that social media will be putting out, even as we speak, yeah. are going viral. Well, I'm sure... I'm, yeah, I'm sure it'll go... It'll go massive... <laughs> so, um, coming up this afternoon, we'll be chatting to Keith Hackett, the former head of the Premier uh, Referees, mm. the PGMOL. Um, today, IFAB, the, the, the high priests of refereeing mm. from around the world, uh, are meeting in Belfast. Arsene Wenger... Great if they said, oh no, it's all gone terribly well, we're not yeah. changing anything, we're adding some more mad rules. That's right. <laughs> to um, ruin the game. That's right, wear the underpants on the outside of your shorts and all that. Get thing. rid of that one where it hits the ref. That is the worst one they've ever come up with. Yes. Yeah. so... It used to be good. That was part of the game. The referee, for hundreds of years, has been part of the field. Yeah. And and you, you often get an exciting moment. Now, if it just... I noticed Michael Oliver the other day. The yeah. ball hit him, but he felt that the that it was going to disrupt the play, so he let it carry on. He went... Well, I bet he got a, a, a sort of telling off for that. It's only an issue, surprised. I suppose, if the ball sort of deviates or as a... It's a no, kind of... if it strikes... It doesn't matter. If it strikes them, they have to stop. At all. At if all. it strikes them, at all. As far as all. I know, I'm, I'm, Bob from Arbroath could correct me, but as far as I know... That is the truth. Okay. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. And um, Derbyshire and Lancashire fans will recall Luke Sutton, of course, the fine uh, wicketkeeper batsman and uh, Derbyshire skipper as well. Uh, Luke... Uh, was a sports agent, very successful sports agent, looking after a lot of top names uh, these days. But he has written his uh, story, Back from the Edge, Mental Health and Addiction in Sport. Good afternoon, Luke. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's a very powerful story. I mean, how well did people... I mean, I'm sure people close to you knew this story, but how, how, how well did people kind of around you? Or were people surprised at just how frank you've been in the book? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think... Um there was a few people close to me who knew most of the story, but actually when I when I wrote the whole book, uh, it dawned on me how few people in my life knew all of it because I think I, I, I kind of people were involved in certain bits and, and actually it's probably taken me, you know, I'm talking about things that happened eight, ten years ago. It's taken me that amount of time to gain perspective on it and uh, to put it all out there. But, but even for my mum and dad, you know, to share the whole thing was... Uh, was a big thing for them, mm. um, even though they had lived a considerable amount of it with me. But the, the centre of it was was alcohol. That was that was the biggest issue you had, a pretty serious issue for a long time, wasn't it? While you were playing, 
Yeah, it was. I think, you know, it was the start of, I always felt like a drink was always the start of my problems, you know, the kind of other stuff could ravel on, but it always started with alcohol. And I think it was just um, my relationship with alcohol, even when I was playing, was was not a healthy one. And, you know, I did know in my early 20s, it's kind of a deep, dark secret that, it, you know, it didn't have a good effect on me and, and I kind of went off the rails badly, but I'd be able to pull it back. But then gradually over time uh, until obviously crux point when I'm 35 years old, it, you know, it just deteriorated over that time. Do you think, was it related to the fact you were a professional uh, sports person or do you think you, you could have gone down this route had you been in any other line of work? It's a really good question. I think uh, I think it, I was predisposed to it, and I think that I had characteristics that um, led me to get into those difficulties. And but probably the characteristics that that helped me become a professional cricketer yeah. would have also helped me become something else in a different profession that would have demanded the same sort of rigors. So I think I was. It was there. It was always there. I read a quote from you which I think kind of sums it up really so it's a professional sport is a breeding ground for addiction because the type of person who excels in it and the demands of it are the same attributes that might lead to something they're going to struggle to find balance things that make them brilliant are going to also be their weaknesses and I think that's I think a lot of people will recognise that yeah I, and I that's why the book is so important to me because I don't I don't think these problems are getting any better at the moment I think uh that's that's right you know what we see and I'm certainly not putting myself quite in this category but when we see brilliance on a sporting field the type of person who's able to do that will, will be an obsessive type of character mm. that in effect they're addicted to their sport so balance is going to be difficult for them and um, I, I just feel passionately about the fact that you know we watch and laugh and enjoy the characters and and the beauty of things whilst they're playing, but then we often see people deteriorate in retirement and kind of wonder whatever happened. And I and I would challenge us to say, actually, I think we could have done a bit better than that. There were signs earlier on. Also, tragically, you lost your girlfriend of the time, who's about to become your fiance, and that must have played a big part. That's a very difficult thing to ever get over. I think. Yeah, I. It, um it was like a bomb going off in my life, you know, and I think I, I was just, I just couldn't cope with it. I couldn't cope with um, the attention. I couldn't cope with the trauma. I, every trust and attitude I had in life just got shattered, really. And I was in my late 20s and mid late 20s and I, I just, I fell apart, really. Um, and I, I just didn't know what to do with myself and where to go forward from it. And, you know, the, the one thing I would say about it, though, is, you know, most importantly, it was a horrifically tragic event for her family. But I, for many number of years, used that as my excuse as to why I was getting into the problems I was. And, you know, what I've come to learn in time is that that was a huge moment in my life, which accelerated a lot of problems, but it wasn't the root cause. Mm. And, and the shame I held by, you know, using it as an excuse is something that I've had to, to come to peace with. When, yeah. when you look back, when do you think it did start to become a problem? And was it related? Was it a kind of a, just kind of social aspect of your life as a professional sports person? Yeah, I, I knew very early on that when I started drinking, I, I wasn't sure when it was going to stop, uh, you know. But the, the thing is, there's a lot of young people like that. You sure. know, there's a lot of the, the lines. It's not... Uh, 
it, you know, I always say to people, you know, if, if the first time you picked up a drink, you kind of lost your job, your wife left you, you got in jail, you'd never drink again. It doesn't happen like that, does <laughs> yeah, it? It, it? It gradually creeps in. Same with mental health issues, you know, so you suddenly get to a place where you've kind of known it, but it, it suddenly, all, it, it feels all of a sudden very, very drastic. And that's what happened to me. I knew early on that I had a strange relationship and a not healthy relationship with alcohol, but I kind of bumbled on. I got on and I was still playing professional sport and I was okay. And did teammates say anything to you? Did anybody take you aside and say, look, look, maybe you should, you know, try and get this. I think you've got a problem, mate. Did anybody ever say that along the way? Yeah, they did. Yeah. People, people would say, you know, what, you know, why, why are you so loose when you, you start having a drink and you know, what, what's up with you? What, what, what's going on? And, and you know what I would in my own head go, I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know, but I play the big bravado and the kind of, you know, sport, it can be a very testosterone driven environment and you just kind of fake it and, you know, no, no, I've all got it. It's all fine. You know, but deep down, I, I was also asking the same questions. You achieved a lot in the game. Do you, do you think you would have achieved more if you hadn't had this problem? Oh, there's a, impossible to know. I, I don't think so. I think, Definitely towards the back end of my career, you know, I was lucky enough to play till I was 35, but I watched some guys go on to play till they're 40. And I, I didn't have that in me because that everything was catching up with me. And, you know, I, I've heard other players talk about kind of getting a second wind to kick on for the last mm. few years of their career. I, I was, there was no wind. It was, it was deterioration. So maybe that did stop me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you talk about when you were playing shield cricket in Australia and started at 8.30 in the morning. So mm. that yeah, pretty serious stuff, really. It wasn't just a few beers after a game to relieve the tension, or even a lot of beers mm. after 8.30 in the morning, which is indicative of a problem, isn't it, of course? Yeah, yeah. And, and strangely enough, I could justify it in my head that it wasn't a problem. That's That's the maddest part of it all. But, you know, it was one of many signs that, you know, I needed to, to kind of get on top of it. But I, but I, you know, the wider point is I think in, in professional sport, often you're, you are caught, actually, I, I shouldn't just limit it to sport, but mm. it's kind of that male thing that, you know, we don't want to show weakness and we don't want to, you know, it's all part of boys will be boys and that kind of thing. And sometimes it's just, it's not boys will be boys, it's a problem. And, yeah. uh, and I was just slow in picking that up. Uh, Luke Sutton's with us we're chatting about his book uh, Back from the Edge Mental Health and Addiction in Sport we'll continue telling Luke's story the the point when he knew he had to do something the people that helped him along the way and uh, how he turned things around that's all to come The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport Luke Sutton, the former Derbyshire and Lancashire cricketer, is with us in the studio. We're chatting about his book, Back from the Edge, Mental Health and Addiction in Sport. Uh, Luke was telling us about his uh, really serious problems with uh, alcohol and uh, the, the kind of there was a couple of lows. You talk about a kind of in, in a railway station in London uh, being at a real low, being in sort of bits there, and also a time when you were due to take uh, one of your children to a, a hospital appointment. I mean, you, one early one morning, sort of 8.30, and you couldn't because you were so drunk. I mean, and they were kind of lows that you felt that this can't go on. You realised that, that, that that was kind of rock bottom from your point of view. Well, I think you're giving me too much credit, actually. <laughs> I, I think, you know, uh, the, 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 the rock bottom was when uh, I was sober and I, and I felt all of the, the shame of all of those things. Mm. I think at the time it was a bit of a blur, you know, and, and I was so deep in denial about where it was all at. Uh, I think that the hardest time, you know, that first day I had in the Priory where it kind of dawned on me, this is where it's got to, that was an absolute rock bottom for me. Mm. 
Uh, and then uh, there was a, a saying an intervention of sorts wasn't there from friends some of them in the mm-hmm. game as well that said you know this can't go on you need to, you need to get help and they tried to get you into the priory and you resisted at first as I'm sure which is quite a common uh, reaction yeah I, I they they but I think they just didn't know what to do with me basically I think they'd just run out of options as to you know what to say or do or help and and decided that they would book me an appointment at the priory and then my my mum and dad came up to pick me up on a Friday evening to take me in and you know I kind of laughed it off I, mm. I I could I could list you um all the reasons why I was doing what I was doing none of which were any responsibility to me and so I just wasn't in a place to you know I just laughed it off and then I I slept the night in the apartment I was staying at with my mum and dad and I, I know it was a brutal night um because I was sobering up and everything around it and uh I woke up the next day and I, I couldn't get in there quick enough yeah and how responsive were you mm. so you you wanted help at that point so you were responsive mm. from day one within the in the priory you'd say yeah I was but I, I I walked in there and and thought you know I'm a professional sportsman I you know I, I thought I was a bit more important than everyone else I, I'm embarrassed to look back on it you know and you know, that, at that time it was a 28-day program, and I genuinely thought, "Well, I'll get it done in seven days." You know, that's that's how much of an idiot well, I was at that time. Competitive, though. You know, yeah, but it was ego, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. I just thought, you know, I had it, and and so I said, "I'll do seven days." I get, you know, I'll give the the place the grace for seven days, and then, you know, during those seven days, I realised I said, "Okay, I'll do another seven. And then it was on about day thirteen where you know I suddenly realised that you know I was way off and I and I really needed to start to listen and that's when things started to change. You also write about mm-hmm. someone you call Jonathan, not his real name, but you talk mm-hmm. about someone in the book who was uh, someone else who was going through the same issues as you um, uh, who who didn't make it through sadly. Um, no, and uh, you know that was my last day in the priory, and I, I've never seen anyone alive look so physically poorly, and uh, I kind of you know, not argued with him, but I, I talked it through with him, you know, and, and he just was not prepared to 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 accept that he needed to, you know, stop drinking. And um, uh, he had two boys and, you know, he was a successful lawyer and, um, you know, six, six, eight weeks later, he was he was dead, unfortunately. Wow. And, and I don't forget that, you know, I carry that with me because, you know, but for the grace of God, you know, I, I, why why I was fortunate to be able to get it and, and move on with my life, I don't know. Mm. But I'm I've, I definitely feel very lucky for that. You've become a very successful sports agent mm. now, and, and and you say you've you've not drunk. How many years? Did you said uh, just you know, over eight just years. Just over eight yeah. years, mm. you know, eight years, kind of clean to and and working as a successful sports agent. Was there any concerns at first with potential clients that you could relapse? Was there ever ever that fear? And did anybody ever kind of voice that to you? No, not, not no. I don't think so. I think uh, you know my early clients were, were you know knew me well, and uh, you know Jimmy Anderson was my first client, and uh, he, he was he knew of all the problems. So mm. uh, no, I don't think so. I think they had faith, and obviously I'm maybe I'm not you know appreciating that they were carefully watching me at times, but you know over time it just got reassured and it was no problem. And have you come close? Sorry, Andy, I just have you, have you ever come closer to? Uh, no, there was a there was a moment when uh, I went to PFA Awards um, with Jimmy actually, and he he stopped me, and I just I, I couldn't bear it at the time. That I just felt so awkward, and I just I, I was boring myself, you know, I, and I I just couldn't handle it, and I thought I will, and he 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 said no, you know, we're not doing this, and. Um, uh, but but other than that, there've been times when I've wanted to kind of get out my own head, but. Um, uh, you know, I've just been able to have good people around me to support me. 
It's quite a boozy do the PCA do, so it's quite difficult to resist. <laughs> How do you feel about cricket now? Do you, do you blame the game in any way, or, or is, is it down to you? Do you still love the game? I love the game. Yeah, I don't blame it at all. I think professional sport has a has a lot of work to do. I think we're really in cricket. We're really good at talking about mental health and addiction. We and we've made mm. huge grounds. But I just think it's time that you know with the value systems around teams, you know that the kind of phrase of you know boys will be boys and play hard on and off the field. We just have to be very careful with that. That we're not lining people up for when they get into retirement, they deteriorate badly. Mm. And I and I still think we are a bit in that age. You know, we kind of. We love it. There, there are warriors on and off the field and we laugh along and we admire them. And then, then then we spit them out into retirement and then we say, oh, my goodness, whatever happened to Gaza? You know, and, and it, you know, I think we've got to do a bit better than that. Yeah. Was was finishing playing, was that an, an, another difficult period for you, Lynn? No, I, I was I was done, actually. I was right. I was quite relieved. I mean, I know it sounds daft because I, I played for 17 years of professional cricket, but I, I just... I, I felt like I battled every day of that 17 years to be good enough. So, you know, it, it just felt like it, 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 it coincided with me going to the Priory and it just felt like a, a natural time to change in life. Mm. We hear a lot from sports and we've talked a lot about this over the years of, the, of missing that camaraderie. Did, did you miss that too? Although you said it was a struggle. Mm. Did you, presumably you enjoyed that side of it and then when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, I... I I, I guess so. I mean, I I lived clo- I lived close to a lot of my old teammates, so you know that that was partly why they helped me because I live mm. around the corner, and you know they, we were all in close proximity. I, I don't miss it as much as I hear other people talk about. You know, I kind of want to move on with my life, and um, you know, I, I I enjoy spending time with my children. You know, and I, I do miss it once in a while, and I see the big games, and obviously now with managing people, I, I'm, I'm fortunate to manage people who are far better players than I ever was, so I just kind of live through them really. Mm. And I get I get my taste of it through that. Your, your relationship, your your, your marriage uh, split up. You divorced mm. from your wife didn't you, at the time. And um, but is your relationship were your, were your kids good? Have, have you spoken to them about what you went through then and, and how you are now? Um, I have to an extent. They were they were two years old. They're twins, right. ten year old, ten year old twins. And you know they don't remember any of it. So they've only ever seen daddy as as I am now. Yeah. And 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 I think the proudest part of it all for me is my relationship with my children now. And I don't hide it from them. You know they've obviously asked questions as to why I don't drink, and uh, and I say because it, it doesn't make me a good person and I, it doesn't make me happy. And and I'll always be open with them about it and mental health. Um, but that's the bit, that's the greatest barometer for me. How, what am I like as a father? And, um, you know, my children feel safe and, and they, they know their daddy loves them and he's there and I'm, I'm not a liability and I, I would have been a liability, but it's, it's not me anymore. Do you still think in some, it's odd, it's a strange thing to say, but in some walks of life, the idea that being sober is a bit of a stigma. You know what I mean? People say, oh, never trust somebody who doesn't drink. That old adage. <laughs> I mean, it seems ridiculous, that. but yeah. people do. The idea, if you're maybe in a professional sporting environment, there's a yeah. fair bit of peer pressure. Go on, have a pint. You know, yeah. we've played all day. We're all having a beer. All the boys are having a beer after the match. There's a certain amount of that, that that goes on, doesn't it? In in a kind of sports environment. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, I guess so. I don't feel it that badly. I I, I just kind of I'm very happy with where I'm at, and mm. I, and it. I mean, I have to remember actually early early days. Yeah, I, de- I felt that, and there was that kind of thing of people watching you and kind of you know why wouldn't you have a drink? And I made a, a lot of excuses why I couldn't drink. You know, the old kidney infection came out more than more than <laughs> once. Um, and I guess at that time it was just to buy a bit of time. But now you know people are so used to it that 
it's fine. I, I don't feel the yeah. peer pressure at all. But yeah, I guess you're right. Early on, it's tough. Yeah, I think people realise now. I think, mm. I think often you know you'll meet someone and you think they don't drink, and you probably think, okay, there's probably a very good reason for that, and you know, and you have to respect that, and you know, you shouldn't be pressurising people if they say no, I don't drink. There's obviously there's a backstory there. I would imagine in most cases, yeah, as, I, as there is for you. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think yeah. that is the case, and, and people move on pretty quick. You yeah. know, you, you you sort of think they'll debate you for hours on it. They don't really. No, heavy drinkers always want you to drink. They yeah. do. Yeah, that's true. No names, no backdrop. Yeah, yeah. You've gone back to the the prior to, to do some work there, haven't you? You've I mean, you gone back there. And I, to, I volunteered yeah, there for volunteered a while. Yeah, there, so. yeah. I mean, if there's a good, you know, this time of day, we do have a lot of professional sports people sort of heading home after training mm. and stuff. I mean, if there's anybody out there that does feel they've got a bit of an issue, haven't mm. listened to you for the last sort of 25 minutes. I mean, what what would be your advice to them? Do you know, I, I think my advice would be to, to everyone, really, look out for your fellow teammate, you know, look out for your colleague. Often we're, we're kind of preaching that people should talk more and share their problems. It's very difficult to do that. But I think if you're looking out for someone who is behaving in certain ways off the field, you, you know, pe- people will know teammates who in the afternoon spend the whole afternoon in the bookies rather than laugh about it and kind of maybe just keep a close eye on them and, and at some point go towards them. Because for me... I knew the secret and I never was in a, in a situation where someone came to me and kind of, you know, helped me open up about it. Mm. Um, but I knew. So someone who is um, having difficulties deep down will know. So just, you know, I would say to professional sports people, you know, look out for your teammate. And not just professional sports people. No. Any walk of life. Sure. Look out for your fellow man, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport.
Time for the clips of the month then. Uh, we, we have quite a lot of clips. I think it was about five, it was the way the month fell, about five mm. weeks worth. So there's oh, plenty well. to choose. And we left it the producer and uh, he's worked his magic. So we're hearing these and uh, for the first time, well, you know what I mean, since in this, in this section, yeah. first time since. Well, what should we start with, Andy? Let's start with Ray Parler on Breakfast recording a classic quiz show. It's, it's like the bullseye, though, isn't it? Remember the bullseye? Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. know if you win it? Yeah. This is what you would have won. Yeah. And they bring a, like, a three-bedroom downstairs. <laughs> Not sure what they did, right? Possibly a speedboat. Speed boat. Those poor blokes in those brown coats <laughs> having a wheel on a three-bed house. <laughs> it seems unlikely. That would have been difficult, wouldn't it? This was uh, Motti commentating on mm. Arsenal against Wolves. Yeah, well, there's going to be a substitution now, isn't there? Uh, looks as though Ruben Viagra is the obvious choice because he is a left. Uh, well, he is a fullback, really. <laughs> he certainly is. Ruben, our old mate Ruben Viagra. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. No, no, I'd leave it. Yeah. Now a lot of people have got very confused about the new handball laws, but not our Beaky. The Manchester City team appealed for handball. Now there's no deliberate handball anymore. It has. To, there's no accidental handball anymore. No deliberate handball anymore. It's whether the arm is in a, a reasonable position. I wish you get Beaky to do no more heroes anymore, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, get, get him to do a cover of that. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure what the new... I'm getting confused I myself. Like, I still don't know the score of Tranmere versus Mansfield. This is uh, Fisherman's Blues, and uh, host Nigel Botherway had news of a premier fishing competition. Um, the winner of the Fishermania Grand Final next year, as always, will net a call £50,000. The runner-up will take home £50,000. What's the point of winning it, then? <laughs> you might as well just, What's the point? Might as well just come second. Might as well just come second. Why put you back into it if you're going to get the same money? <laughs> Ali McCoy's now. And we're hoping this wasn't Cockney rhyming slang. One of my mate's sons, one of my mate's sons has been busting for a drum kit since he was four, four or really? five. <laughs> Poor kid. Oh, Syrup of figs, I understand, <laughs> might do the job. And finally, it's uh, The Breakfast Show. And uh, Laura Woods uh, talked to uh, Alan about the significance of that evening's Sportswoman of the Year awards. It just is a massive celebration of all of all uh, what has been a pretty incredible year for women in sport. It's just, mm. There's so many different landmarks that have been reached, um, and so much more um, coverage. So you know, what, what are you back- tonight? <laughs> bit of work to be done there, Laura, I, I would uh, say probably. A little bit more work to be done. So was it Definitely. Ray Parler in the three-bedroom house? Was it Motti and Ruben Viagra? Was it uh, Beaky and getting confused about the new handball laws? Was it uh, Nigel winning 50 grand to win and come second? Was it Ali dying for a drum kit? Uh, or was it uh, Big Alan uh, setting the women's movement back? Uh, a good 20 years <laughs> so um, <laughs> just go and vote for your favourite we'll have playoffs on the uh, on at TSH and J there's TSH A-N-D-J TSH A-N-D-J go along there you can vote for your favourite clip and uh, we'll have little semi-finals along the way mm. and we'll bring you the winner just before Goff and Adrian take over at 4 o'clock this afternoon and of course the clips of the week and a lot of that is down to you and your fine spotting. That will return on Friday, as always, at 3.30. Now, uh, earlier on, um, yes. Keith Hackett, the former boss of the referees, uh, was not taken, particularly taken with IFAB, who are the kind of international body that run refereeing. And he said if they had ran their own business, it wouldn't be that successful. And you liked the idea of referees opening in a restaurant, didn't <laughs> yeah, you, Andy? You I thought did. it might work. Yeah. And um, somebody, Rob in Plymouth, has put, helped put the menu because you, you kicked us off. What were I you had two? ellery soup. Ellery soup, and yeah. And Kalina flour cheese. Kalina flour cheese, turbo. But Gallagher says uh, Robin Plymouth that would have to be <laughs> on there. Francis. 
Um, and if you add the Ellery soup, that came from, didn't what his name? Yeah, Robin Plymouth. Uh, Hursty says, if you add the Ellery soup, I think you'd need uh, a couple of Uriah Rennies afterwards. <laughs> Probably. That's quite possible. <laughs> um, for dessert, what about a nice slice of Mark Clattenburg cake? <laughs> or Keith Stroudel. Stroudel. Keith, <laughs> doesn't quite work. Keith Stroudel. Uh, as the fourth official course, says uh, Lester. <laughs> Uh, I'll have a plate of... Uh, this is from uh, Was Not Waz, who says, I'll have a plate of Martin, Martin Atkinson, commonly known as Tripe. Bit <laughs> on the nose. Uh, if you just want a light <laughs> snack, says John in Halifax, why not have a Hackett potato? <laughs> Fair enough, really. That's very good. Yeah, that would work. Uh, Kevin Watson, formerly a Spurs, the Ebbsfleet manager, says, uh, I'm going to have the beef and black Dean soup, and then uh, maybe as a snack, a few Trevor Kettle crisps. Thank you, Kev, for that one this afternoon. So you can can keep them coming. The referees have opened a restaurant. Um, Keith Hackett says it won't be particularly successful, but let's uh, keep adding, adding to the uh, menu this afternoon. And I've just seen that those Clips of the Month semi-finals are already up there, so if you want to go and vote, at T-S-H-N-J. Oh, yeah. T-S-H-A-N-D-J. Lovely. Um, yeah, the other thing I was going to run past you, Andy, was uh, something I just sort mm. of saw on social media the, the other day. And it's... Um, it was a game called Shooter Snooker, and uh, it looked like a kind of very, like a mini, like a kid's game, hmm. like a mini bar billiards table, uh, the kind of mushrooms that you expect. Yeah. And uh, the person, the unlikely person on the box, so you're trying to sell a billiards stroke snooker game in the 70s, hmm. 70s. who would you put on the box, Andy? Think in the 70s? It. In the 70s. Who would you have put on the box to help sell a uh, snooker game? Ray Reardon. You know, have another guess. Uh, Cliff Mountjoy, uh, um, Doug Mountjoy, or Cliff Thorburn? <laughs> Who's Cliff Mountjoy? <laughs> it's a hybrid of two fine snooker players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on good form yeah. today. Uh, yeah. Joe Davis, you might have said, mightn't you? Yeah, Steve right? Davis. No, no, Steve Joe. Davis was later. Wasn't yeah, he was later. Yeah, much later. Yeah. Uh, or Fred Davis. Anybody called Davis, basically, yeah. <laughs> Simon, Simon Davis. Davis. Simon Davis. <laughs> Simon Davis. Um, so this game was called Shooter Snooker. It says the shooter gives all the fun and thrills mm. of bar billiards. Great from great for kids from 6 to 60. And who better to put on the box to promote it than Andy Jacobs? Than... <laughs> Sid James. Sid James. Sid James. From the Carry On films. Why there was Sid. Sid. James? Sid was the unlikely uh, person. And we'll t- tweet that uh, photograph out for you. Sid was the unlikely person, uh, a celebrity endorsee of Shooter Did Snooker. Sid like the snooker? I don't know. I, I'm just kind of getting... He's basically pointing... He's leaning on the table, uh, pointing at it, and laughing. As oh, yeah, he, you, oh, can, yeah. you can hear the laugh, oh, yeah, yeah, even yeah. even though it's a still <laughs> photograph. Um, and he's kind of... He looks like he's, he's <clears> dressed in his <throat> blessed this house garb um mm. ask, your, ask your granddad but um yeah anyway we just we wondered about unlikely celebrity endorsements for products i'd say sid james and his uh, love of bar billiards seems a fairly <laughs> I'd say that's very for unusual. kids from 6 to 60 that, surely. whatever you can come up with talksport.com forward slash h and j you can text to 81089 and you can... Uh, Charles Hawtrey's book of rugby league. <laughs> God, <laughs> oh, he's got away! <laughs> Charles Hawtrey's new book. It does seem unlikely. So celebrity endorsements. Yeah. Uh, run a few of those past us uh, this afternoon. And go and vote at TSH&J. Um, what about a lovely uh, Bobby Seafood Madly? Says Clint <laughs> Very good. in Stockport. <laughs> yes, um, and uh, Craig Kent says, I'll have a mug of tea with a nice bowl of jam, Graham Roly-Poly. <laughs> That's good. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'd have some Chris Moss pudding at this time of year, surely, says Ed. 
Uh, of course we would. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Good yeah. afternoon, Andy. Oh, good afternoon. We're we'll starting all over yeah, again. We're going to start again. <laughs> it's like it's one o'clock. <laughs> that catch, I don't know if you saw that catch that uh, Joe Denley dropped this morning. Of Archer. It was a, ter- it was a terrible drop. It's really. one of those that's so easy. He yeah. just It just took his eye off it. It was too stupidly easy. It's like missing a goal from two yards, wasn't it, really? David Mar- Martin would have pouched it. Yeah. <laughs> Still haven't let it go of you. Still haven't let it go. But it was it was one it was of the ludicrous. worst drops you will ever see. Yes. Uh, all this talk of buffering and delays, says Gab Cancello, and mm. following on the phone makes me feel very old. When I tell my nephew about having to listen to football on a crackly old radio on a Saturday afternoon, he thinks I've stepped off the Mayflower. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the, the way we would consume, yeah, it's football, changed so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly in, in the in the very uh, early days. Um, the Premier uh, Premier League referees might open a restaurant uh, we talked well they're not going to this is a, a real development of Keith Hackett saying if you know if the people at the top of refereeing ran a business it wouldn't be very successful but Andy said I'd like to see the referees open a restaurant and we've had a few more additions to the menu oh yeah we've had Jay the Bluebird says he'll be ordering the Andre Marinera pasta <laughs> Sounds very good. <laughs> good knowledge of Italian food there. Um, what about Steve Anstey says, let's have the pancake poles with the foie sauce. <laughs> Definitely. Um, for dessert today, um, I, this is Matt, he's going to have the Sem Colina pudding. <laughs> That's rubbish. Doesn't really work. Yeah, Sorry, Matt. And he's not keen on that. <laughs> yeah. And just had a large plate of beef, pork and lamb. No vegetables and no bread on the side, says Colin. I'm on the Martin Atkinson <laughs> diet. Very good. So if you want to add to the menu for the officials, um, let us know this afternoon. Talksport.com forward slash H&J. Text to 81089 or tweet to TSH&J. Now, there's a survey. I'm not a big fan of, of sort of, you know, having a go at millennials. I don't like to see old people digging out young people. I think it's quite poor, but there's been a survey. I'll tell Rita Ora that next time I see her. Well, no, she's not a millennial, is she? I suppose I'm she not, is. Well, yeah, yeah, you were always digging her out. Oh, yeah, but not for being a millennial. <laughs> digging her out for being, peering everywhere and not actually doing anything <laughs> for about two years. But, you know, she's hmm. she's had a couple of nice albums out. Oh, yeah. What's it, your favourite track on oh, Rita's latest album? My favourite track is uh, No Idea Whatsoever. Okay, fair enough. Not, not Go on, keep going. Anyway, dithering, according to a, a survey by a well-known phone company, mobile phone company, dithering millennials take 39 minutes deciding what to eat for breakfast and 33 minutes deciding what to wear. No, just think that, it's just not true, is it? Not, no one in the, on earth takes 39 you, you minutes. Couldn't, you couldn't really. You'd just you'd drive yourself mad. <laughs> Ridiculous. I've got more, that many choices. I've got more David Martin news, Andy, from oh, last yeah. night's London Evening Standard, and I mm. knew you'd respond well to this. Alvin, yeah. was, Alvin was on with mm. uh, Adrian and Goffey. It was brilliant. It was a mm. really good listen. Uh, even even Andy, you would have your your, your mm. heart would have melted. Would it to hear a proud dad talking about yes, his son would. like that? It was lovely. Well, that's chat, lovely. Yeah. Um, and David says I could hardly eat for two days in the build up to the game. Yeah. I have wheat about. I could hardly eat for two days after. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> He says, I have Weedabex every morning. It takes me Does 39 it? minutes. No, it doesn't. He's not a man. He says, I have Weedabex every morning. I'm a man of routine, says David. But yeah. I would get into training in the morning, have one bite, 
and my plate was being taken away because I could not finish two wheat the bigs. Such was the nerves ahead of the big game. God, that's amazing, really. Maybe well, if he'd been weighed down by more wheat the bigs. Well, he, I think he was fully expecting Chelsea to turn up, but yeah. fortunately for him, they didn't. So it was <laughs> okay. fine. Well, that's good news. Now I'm very excited. I, I, I've really enjoyed reading the 20 years of Talksport. It's a fine read. Oh yeah. And uh, we're, we're advertising it today. It's in the Times, mm. and uh, it's described as the ultimate Christmas gift. And I was thinking, well, I thought gold, frankincense. <laughs> <laughs> Rolex, yeah, <but laughs> a I Bentley mean, it, Continental. It's, look, it's a it's a it's a good Christmas gift. It is. It's it's a fantastic stocking, but the ultimate, the mm. ultimate. Christmas. I wasn't sure about that one. The I ultimate. Just, I mean, look, it's a sort of phrase we bandy around. But um, yes, I know, I know what they mean. Yeah. And uh, Prince William was asked at an event yesterday, "What happens?" He asked rather, "What happens to all the recycled material?" And according to a bloke I once met on a plane who was in the recycling business. Yeah, says me it all goes in the same hole, mate. Well, that's a, one of those fallacies, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's dan- that's, that's dangerous. In, that's I know, dangerous I agree. talk. I agree. Well, why was he in the recycling business? And if it all goes in the same hole, is he in some sort of Sopranos-like scam? <laughs> <laughs> He's in waste management. I, must say, I never really questioned it, other than to, I'll, yeah. I've got, as Jeff Hurst would say, I've gone on that for twenty years. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched The Irishman yet, Andy? Well, the it's film? on. It's on Netflix. It is, of course. So which yeah. is much better for but me. But you've got I'm, to put it. It's it's it, the thing is the original. Game Gangs of New York, uh, mm. the, the, the director's cut is about four hours long. Yeah. This so, is three and a half hours. Yeah, well, so this is the Can thing. Can I watch if, it in if, sections? I don't if, have to watch if, it all at if, once, if, if, you, if you give the director um, mm. the freedom, uh, he's he's not going to be bullied by the movie company that mm. says, make it two hours and 15 minutes because no one's going to sit there I for four hours. I personally think if you can't tell the story in two hours, you, <clears> there must well, be something be, wrong. But, you know. but I, well, we'll, we'll find out. But it's, it's it's the sort of film you've got to put the evening aside. It's, it's the sort of film I love. But you've, you've got to, you know, I you've agree. got to decide. It's got a great review. They can, Producers, he's been watching it since Saturday. <clears throat> That's, he don't watch it. He, oh, he, he, he won't be. He won't be happy. Old Marty, he won't be happy with you. He says he doesn't. He shouldn't be watching. You should watch it in its entirety. You should be watching it. Really? It's not. Not. It's not a part part for Martin Scorsese. Yeah, it's it's all right for him. him. But you know, he always asks you to put three hours of your life aside. He's compiled this fantastic (laughs) cast. And you can't be bothered. You're only watching it in yeah. 45 well, minute enough, increments. By coincidence, Martin Scorsese went to play more to watch Talkie and he left at half time. <laughs> yeah, see, you wouldn't like that, would you? If the old Marty was sitting there with Bobby <laughs> and Al and they were all sitting there at Playmore watching the game and then they go and get a cup of tea after 20 minutes and then they come back and then they watch a bit more of the game. You'd be saying, oh, yeah, yeah. why can't you stay I for 90 that. minutes? And old Marty says, oh, yeah, John, uh, watch 45 minutes to the other. This is a very odd conversation to be having that with reminds me of when when I went to see Shanghai SIPG oh, courtesy yeah. of Ian Walker was that a film that's a football team that's a football it? team yeah. in Shanghai funnily yeah. enough what does SIPG stand oh, for oh I don't know oh ok I'm just asking <laughs> well, you're a fan of the, the club stop. I thought you might know that's a... Ian Walker was the goalkeeping coach Sven Ian, was the coach Ian at the Walker time. yeah yeah Ian got me the tickets mm. and uh, that, at half time we were a bit bored with the game oh no and quite hungry so my son, who knew Shanghai quite well, said there's a really nice restaurant across the road from the stadium, which yeah. there was. So we went in there, nipped in there, and then we came back afterwards. But that was the time when I was sitting next to Ian's mate. So when Ian said, what did you think of the game? His mate looked at me when I said, well, they play very well first off. <laughs> <laughs> so he caught you out. Yeah. He knew you'd cleared off to a restaurant. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. That's quite poor form, Andy. But, I mean, you know. Well, so was the form of Shanghai SIPG, <laughs> to be honest. What does SIPG stand for? <laughs> uh, it stands for Shanghai International Port Group. Does it? Yeah. Wow. 
So now we Who know. Who knew that so quickly? Well, the producer of Wikipedia, mate. Oh, okay. That's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty good. The kids are ever so quick these that days. Is, they can't buy... They've got the attention th- span. Didn't take him 39 minutes. Attention span of a goldfish it. when it comes to a, a gangster film, but they, it takes him 10 <laughs> seconds to look that up. You'll like this, Andy. This was a letter mm. to The Telegraph. This is from um, uh, Philip Gadd from um, West Drayton in Middlesex. Mm. Sir, he says, because it's like a not posh... Sir Philip Gadd. No, not Sir Philip Gadd. <laughs> yeah. Sir, he says, you oh, always yeah. doing a broad sheet. They don't do that in the start. They don't start their letters with sir, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. They go, oi! <laughs> um, anyway, sir, uh, <laughs> why wear shorts for golf uh, in hot conditions, he says. In hot climates, I wear long trousers to cover the skin from uh, sun rays, reducing direct heat absorption. They also trap a layer of air that acts as a good insulator from the surrounding heat and prevent insect bites. Shorts have advantages mm. in less hot conditions since they allow vitamin D production in the skin and reduce evaporation of sweat to produce cooling. But why do most locals in hot, tropical climates rarely wear them, says Philip Gadd. So He's don't wear shorts in hot weather. Has he written in about postmen why they wear shorts Yeah, in well, the postmen wear shorts all the time, don't you? They're slightly dead in any conditions, uh, as we know. And that uh, bloke we talked about I've... in Todd Macklin's Roundup the other day. I've got a friend in Chiswick who's a postman, and uh, he was at the lights yesterday, and suddenly I hear this voice say, You're slower than Chelsea! <laughs> it was him in driving his post office van. Oh, fantastic. A bit of a that's, shock. That's I did, a, a Wildian yes. interruption, <laughs> no, that wasn't it? Dissed at the lights. Dissed at the lights by your local postie. Uh, talking of veteran letter writers, oh, yeah. uh, the serial letter writer, Sylvia Monk. Yeah. Uh, she used to write so often to the sun, but I think now she's sort of slowing down a bit, but she, she's... Taken to to the paper, pen and yeah. paper, or I don't know how she writes. Yeah. Less can sometimes be more, she says, but not in the case of skimpy attire worn by pussy cut, pussy cut, pussy cat <laughs> dolls. That was always going to happen, wasn't it? <laughs> of course, it was. yeah. On the X pussy cat dolls, a family show. It was too X-rated. I didn't see it myself. But no, you're going to go listen. back and watch it now, though, aren't you? <laughs> I will bet be. you are. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Thanks to everybody who voted in the uh, clips of the month. We do have the winner here. It got 69% uh, of the vote, and it was uh, Laura Woods chatting to Alan Brazil on breakfast uh, on the eve of the uh, Sportswoman of the Year. We'll try and explain the significance of it to Al. It just is a massive celebration of all of all what has been a pretty incredible year for women in sport. It's just, mm. There's so many different landmarks that have been reached, um, and so much more um, coverage. But, so you know, what back were you to wearing back tonight? And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's the point? What did she wear, by the way? What's the point? I, 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 something something black and strappy. I'm guessing. I don't know. Something like that. I'm not sure what's in Laura's wardrobe. But uh, what's Al doing that for? What you? Come on, Laura. What are you wearing? Tonight? Yeah, it's all very well. But what are you wearing it's tonight? Brilliant. For goodness sake. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Good old Alan. Yes. Tremendous, isn't it? Yeah. Come on. What are you wearing tonight? Fantastic. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thanks for everybody who voted. We're back tomorrow. Brian O'Driscoll, Sam Warburton joining us. Rick Riley, the author of Commander-in-Cheat about how Donald Trump cheats at golf. Who would have thought? And uh, lots more besides. Have a fine evening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.